As we come to the conclusion of this series, the series that we are calling The Gospel at Work, I think it's only right that we allow God to prepare our hearts and our minds for the message that he has for us this morning. So would you please bow your heads and pray with me? Lord God, we give you thanks that you have been with us on this journey, this journey of looking at our lives through your eyes, looking specifically at our work with your heart and with your mind. Lord, we thank you for this journey, the ways in which you've shown us how there is indeed dignity in work, that through our work you desire to bless our world, to help us to serve our neighbors. And so, Lord, now as we come to the end of this series, we ask that you would once more give us your wisdom. Open our hearts and our minds that we would indeed receive your message. And Lord, I pray that the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So when I was in college, I noticed an interesting pattern whenever the weekends came around. You see, Friday came and I would look at my fellow students and realize that most of us were pretty tired and pretty stressed. Uh, we'd spent most of the week, uh, week, hopefully, working on papers and assignments and projects for our classes. And so when we finally hit Friday, Friday was the day to rest. Friday was the beginning of the weekend, those days off where we could really enjoy ourselves. And yet what I found is many of my students uh, spent their rest time doing anything but resting. Usually going out and partying, often late into the night, actually getting less sleep on the weekend than they typically got on a weeknight. And then Monday would come around, and they would look worse off on Monday morning than they did on Friday afternoon. Now, I thought, I thought that this was just, you know, what happens in college, I thought that this was just what young people do when they're away from their parents, right? We get a little bit crazy on the weekends. We no longer have curfews or supervision and all that stuff. And then I got into the working world and I realized that working adults do it too. That we work ourselves to the bone and that weekend comes around and we're like, yes, finally it's me time. And we use our weekends to do all the stuff that we wished we could have done during the week with our own free time. And then Monday rolls around, and we look worse off on Monday morning than we did on Friday afternoon. In fact, the studies have shown that there is, there is a condition called Monday morning dread. And that actually something about like 80% of millennials get this on Sunday nights where Monday morning is more terrifying because of the fact that we know we have to go back to work and that we, we, there's still more stuff that we could have gotten done on the weekends. And what this tells me as I look at this pattern in people's lives is that not only do we have a dysfunctional relationship with work, as we've been talking about throughout this series, but we actually have a dysfunctional relationship with rest. That even when we take those vacation days, that we've saved up, we often come back from our vacations more tired than we started. How many people have actually heard the phrase or maybe even said it yourself, I need a vacation from my vacation? Yeah. That just leads me to believe that we have no idea how to rest, what real rest is all about. 
And as we come to the end of this series, the series in which we've been talking about work, I think it's appropriate that we take this final, this final message, this final time together to really lean into and to explore the relationship between work and rest and what real rest actually looks like. And I wanted to start by just kind of asking the question, how many of you know who is credited with giving us our standard work week and weekend? Does anybody know who was, who it was that came up with the idea that we should be off on Saturdays and Sundays and only work Monday through Friday, at least in America? Henry Ford. Very good. It was Henry Ford who first started to give the workers in his factory Saturday and Sunday off. And Henry Ford did this for two reasons. The first reason that he started to give his workers off on Saturday and Sunday is because he actually found that his workers were more efficient at their jobs when they had time off. He found that the energy that they brought to their work week, Monday through Friday, was a lot higher, that they were more focused, that they were more engaged, that they, were, that they just had more energy overall when they had some time off. Henry Ford recognized that there was an upside to downtime. And he wanted to give that to his workers. But the other thing, the second reason that Henry Ford decided to give his workers time off on Saturday and Sunday is because he realized that his best clients were actually his workers. That his best customers were the ones who were actually building the cars, the cars that he was producing. And that if they were going to buy those cars and drive those cars and enjoy those cars, they needed some time off. And so he gave them Saturday and Sunday. But this idea that, that there should be a day of rest, that there should be a time of rest, is actually far older and more ancient than Henry Ford. In fact, in fact it's an idea that goes all the way back 3,500 years. It's one of the oldest law codes that we have. That's the Ten Commandments. It's in the Ten Commandments that we read about this thing called a Sabbath. That when God had rescued his people who had been slaves in the land of Egypt and brought them out, one of the first things that he told them is he told them that they were to honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now, Sabbath is a word that simply means to cease or to desist or to rest. What God was saying is he's saying, you need to honor the rest day and set that day apart. That's really what holiness means, is something that is set apart. He's saying you need to honor the rest day and set it apart. And the reason why is because the Sabbath is something that we desperately need as human beings. In fact, it's to that command, that command to take the Sabbath, that I want us to look together. Because what we find when we take a closer look at the Sabbath is what it means to take a real rest. And why Sabbath is something that's not just a good idea, it's actually something that's not optional. It's something that we desperately need and require as human beings. And specifically, there are three things that I think the Sabbath uh, shows us, three things that I think are worth spending our time reflecting on. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to turn with me now to Exodus chapter 20. I want us to begin in Exodus 20 because it's in Exodus 20 that we see the first thing that we need to understand about the Sabbath. This is the first time that the Ten Commandments were given to God's people. And beginning in verse 8, I want you to listen to what God says about this day. He says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor 
and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. See, the first thing that we learn about the Sabbath is that the Sabbath is actually woven into creation. It is woven into creation. It is something that undergirds the very foundations of all the created universe. Everything that we see, this idea of rest, is a fundamental part of existence. That God created everything on six days, but then the seventh day, he made a special day. He said, this is to be a day of rest, not just for me, but for everything that I have made. And what studies have shown over and over and over again, and and honestly, it shouldn't take studies to show us this, is that we require rest as creatures. That we cannot work perpetually. That eventually our bodies start to break down and give up. In fact, if you look at most medical journals today, what they'll tell you is that no matter who you are, every functioning human adult requires seven to nine hours of sleep a night in order to work at their optimal levels. That if you are to work efficiently, if you are to live fully, if you are to be at your most healthy, every human adult needs seven to nine hours. But here's the other interesting thing. It found that children need even more than that. The children require anything from 9 to 12 hours of sleep a night. So kids, when your mom and dad say it's time to go to bed, it is for your good. And teenagers, if you're wondering why you're still asleep at 10 a.m. on a Saturday, it's because you need that rest too. But it's, it's, it's worked into who we are as creatures. We require that rest or we literally burn out. People have found that when people, uh, doctors have found that when people are constantly working, subjecting their bodies to constant levels of stress and movement, that their cells actually begin to break down, that many uh, uh, health problems that we have come from a lack of sleep, of stopping, of resting, of eating and being rejuvenated. We require these as creatures. The Sabbath is necessary because it's life-giving. We need the Sabbath because it's woven into the fabric of creation. But there's another thing that we learn about the Sabbath. And this is actually found in Deuteronomy chapter 5, when God again um, reminds his people of the Ten Commandments. Here's what it says. It says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. The second reason the Sabbath is so important is because the Sabbath is humane. The reason the Sabbath is important is because the Sabbath is humane. It affirms the inherent dignity of God's creation as it is, not simply for what it can produce. Let me say that again. The Sabbath affirms the inherent dignity of God's creation as it is, not simply for what it can produce. 
You see, I think part of our problems with work and rest as human beings is because we look around at our world and we're constantly uh, evaluating it on a cost-benefit analysis. We're constantly evaluating its goodness based on what it can produce for us. And, And when we do that, we reduce everything, not just the created order, but our fellow human beings to nothing more than math. We basically look at them and say, what can they produce? And if they're not producing, they're just not valuable. And yet what the Sabbath begs, uh, the Sabbath begs to differ because in the Sabbath what God is saying is he's saying everything that's been made by me has dignity because it was made by me. It is valuable because I made it valuable. Not simply because of what it can produce or what it can do, but simply because I declared it good. See, the Sabbath forces us to slow down and look at the world and to start to see the world through God's eyes. Because when you go back to the creation account, what you find is that every time God makes something, he follows it up by saying what? It's good. It's good. It's very, very good. The Sabbath is humane because it affirms the dignity of everyone and everything. It acknowledges that the people around us are made in the image of God. And that because of that, they, are, they, they have value in and of themselves apart from what they do, apart from what they produce, apart from the work that they work so hard at. And the reason we need the Sabbath is because the Sabbath allows us to live humanely and justly in our world. In a world of exploitation, in a world in which we make people work ridiculous hours, when we cut back things like health care and vacation, when we demand that people be at the workplace longer and more often, more frequently, and in which we only give recognition to those who practically killed themselves trying to produce. The Sabbath says, slow down. Recognize that human beings have dignity in and of themselves. Why? Because they are made by God. That God created them in his image. That they are precious in his sight and that he declared them very, very good. The Sabbath is important because it allows us to live humanely in the world. It allows us to live freely and lightly in the world. It enables us to give that freedom and that dignity to others by saying, take this time now to just rest, to just be, to enjoy life as God intended it. But there's a third reason why the Sabbath is important. One that we find uh, a little bit later on in that same passage from Deuteronomy. Listen to what God says here. I find this one particularly fascinating. Deuteronomy 5.15. It says, you shall remember, you need to honor the Sabbath. Okay, that's what he said. He says, observe the Sabbath day. And then he says this in verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And that the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. The third thing that I find so interesting about the Sabbath is basically what this passage is saying is that the Sabbath actually leads us to freedom. Kind of interesting, the Sabbath leads us to freedom because when I was reading through this passage again and looking at it being just like, why would God mention their slavery in Egypt? Well, take a moment to think about what the people had been through up to this point. For nearly 400 years, the people of Israel had been slaves. 
That means that every single day of their lives, they woke up when their masters told them to wake up. They worked for the amount of hours that their masters set, and they were only allowed to rest at the will of their masters. Every single day of their life, every single moment that they lived and breathed only had value so long as they were producing benefit to the ones who owned them. They lived as slaves for whom rest was unknown. A day off was never an option. They lived and breathed and worked and died at the behest of their overseers, at the behest of the Egyptians. Now think about this. God leads them to freedom. They finally have made it through the Red Sea. They will no longer return to Egypt. And he says, now that you are free people, I am giving you a day off. How do you think a person in that moment, hearing God say that, would have reacted? You know, for me, I would have been like, a day off? What is that? And then if God says, no, a day when you don't have to work, a day when I don't have to work, that's awesome! Let's go, everybody, we're going swimming! That would, that's what I would do if I had a day off. We're going swimming. But what's interesting is that in this story, in the Exodus story, when God says you guys have a day off, you want to know what's interesting, what happens on the very first Sabbath day? They all wake up for, before dawn and try to get to work. Every single one of them comes out of their tents to gather food. Now, it's interesting because actually God was the one providing food, and he told them on the day before the Sabbath, I'm going to give you like twice as much food so that tomorrow you don't even have to work for your food. It will already be there in your tents. And even though they had this surplus of food, they still woke up early in the morning to go to work. And I'll be honest, when I first read that, I didn't understand that until I started to look into the psychology of slavery. For a slave to suddenly be told that you have a day off is immediately met with skepticism. Because they have never known a day in their lives when they didn't have to work. They've never known a day in their lives when they didn't have to produce. And the idea that they may have a day off when they don't have to do that would have produced such anxiety in them that they still would have gotten up to work for their masters so that they would have received extra praise over and above their fellow slaves. So debilitating was slavery that they couldn't even enjoy a day off, a day that God had given them. Because see, he had freed the slaves from their slavery in Egypt. He had brought the slaves out of their slavery. But what we see is that it takes a lot more to get the slavery out of the slaves. So ingrained is this mentality that I have to work to earn it. So ingrained is this mentality that I'm only of value if I'm producing, that even when God tells them you have a day off, please take it, they don't. It takes generations and generations and generations before the people of Israel finally start to relax on day seven. So ingrained is this idea that your value is based purely on what you can produce. And this is where I think, actually, the Sabbath has something to teach us. Because I think for many of us, although many of us have never experienced the hardship of slavery, what the Sabbath often reveals is the ways in which we are still beholden to what we can do. The ways in which even when we have a day off, we can't seem to unplug. 
The ways in which even when we have that weekend, we can't seem to fully disengage from work. That even when we have downtime and time off, what are we worrying about? What's going on at the office? Have you ever found that, that you're constantly stressed out? It's because I think what the Sabbath often reveals is the ways in which we are still enslaved to our ability to produce. So that even when we're at home, we're thinking about work. And the question is, what, how does God speak into that? How is it that the Sabbath gives us freedom? Well, it gives us freedom because what it shows us is that God has created us for more than simply what we do. You probably have heard the phrase said before, we are human beings, not human doings. And in the Sabbath, what God is saying is he's saying, I want you to take a day off to remember that you were once slaves, but now you are free. God gave us the Sabbath to help us live as free people, to teach us to let go of our production and simply trust him as the one who provides. To let go of seeing our value as simply tied up in what we do, whether it's at the office or at home or in our various roles and vocations, and simply to rest in the fact that our lives are a gift given to us by him. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, as the New Testament says. It's for freedom that God led his people out of slavery in Egypt. And the Sabbath was a, was a classroom for learning to let go. And to trust. And yet I think so many of us, we still are checking our emails, right? How many of you on your vacation have let that smartphone come out and suddenly popped open the inbox just to make sure everything's going okay? Or you've taken your laptop because, yeah, once we get there, I'll be unplugged. But on the plane, I can get some work done. By the way, we all know that you still keep opening it after you've landed. All right? It's not a secret to anybody. How many of us, honestly, when we're at home, we're still stressing out about work? Or when we're at home, we don't feel very rested because of the countless things that still have to get done around the house, or for our kids, or for our family? How many of us still operate under the tyranny of the schedule, knowing that on Monday, everything that's piled up from Saturday to Sunday will be there waiting for us? It's like the world keeps going. Which is why I think the gift that Jesus gives us is so important. Because it's in Jesus that we learn what it means to experience real rest. We read this passage a little bit earlier on in our service. I think it's worth reading again. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus tells his disciples what life with him is really like. Tells his disciples what life with God is really like, what it means to truly walk with him and experience life the way he intended it. This is what he says. I'm using the message uh, paraphrase because honestly, this is one of those areas where the message paraphrase just shines brilliantly at getting to the heart of what this passage is all about. Here's what Jesus says. Are you tired and worn out? Then come to me. Get away with me and you'll learn how to recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. 
I love how that's phrased. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. The reason why Jesus can say that is because that's exactly the life he came to give us. That when we walk with Jesus, what we encounter is we encounter God as he is. The God who loves us, not because of what we can do or how much we can produce or how skilled we are or how big our paycheck is. A God who loves us not because we're the perfect parent, the best stay-at-home mom. A God who loves us not because we're an awesome student who gets straight A's on our report cards, who has that perfect cumulative GPA. No, we learned that our God loves us no matter what. That our God loves us because he made us, because we are his sons and daughters, and because of that, we have value. And it's not tied to our performance. The reason Jesus can say, if you walk with me, you're going to learn to live freely and lightly is because he has paid the price for everything that we ever needed to do or to accomplish. See, so many of us, I think we approach even our relationship with God in this kind of cost-benefit analysis. We think that if we just work hard enough, we're just good enough, we just leave, uh, live the right kind of life, then, then we're accepted by God. And yet Jesus on the cross looked out at the world and said, What? He said, it's finished. He says, anything that you would have needed to do to shape yourself up or to be welcome in God's presence, I have already accomplished for you. And so you can rest in the promise of knowing that God loves you apart from who you are and what you do. God loves you because you're made in his image, because he's declared you his sons and daughters. That's what it means to live freely and lightly. And so we should see the Sabbath as a time of training and of learning how to rest in those promises. Which is why I encourage people on Sabbath day, whatever that day is for you, unplug. Turn off your phones. Leave your devices in the briefcase. Spend time with your family and with your friends. Just enjoying relationships as God designed them to be. Simply taking time to delight in each other's company. Take time to serve. To use your rest day to produce something that doesn't benefit you but simply blesses another person. Take your Sabbath day to gather around God's word. To cultivate your relationship with him and to be reminded of those promises. The Sabbath is a gift to set you free. It's a day that God has given us so that we might learn that anything that we need to do is already accomplished in him and we can rest in that gift, that gift given to, to us through Jesus, the one who says, come to me and learn, to, and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. We need the Sabbath because it's woven into the fabric of creation. We need the Sabbath because it's humane. Ultimately, we need the Sabbath because it sets us free to see God as he is and to learn to walk with him freely and lightly into our world. It's when we know who we are and the God who made us that we can truly approach our working week with the good news because that is the gospel at work. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who completed it all for us and calls us his children that we say, Amen.